<laughs> what? We got ahead of it. TechCrunch today. Tesla's Bitcoin investment could be bad for the company's climate reputation. Yeah. And its bottom line. Exactly. Yeah. TBP bringing it to you first. Always, man. Hey, turn on your camera so I can see your beautiful face. What is... Oh, my bad. It's Wednesday, February 10th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news headlines and all the gossipy hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, Tyler? So good. So freaking good. Awesome, man. Russ is still out. Not feeling <laughs> good. Guy. Yeah. Not good at all. Although he's got That's like a bummer. 20 hours of work stuff he's got to do, and I just can't Ugh. swing this. He's so trying to sleep in between. When you're super importante. Uh, all right. Like, um, like the rest of her. Yeah. So uh, one quick thing before we get into the news, I threw up a little thing on the Twitters asking if y'all yeah. wanted to look at a, starting a newsletter or receiving a newsletter. Oh, Lots of positive things there. So let you know that uh, you've been heard. Once we solve a few hiccups in the process to make it legit, um, because if you did not know this, if you have a newsletter, you also have to have a physical address. And so as part of that process, I don't want to just constantly be pumping my home address out there. I'd rather attach a PO box. So I need to get a PO box to do this. And then you can, then I can share the sign up link and all that kind of fun stuff. Anyway, none of that stuff for y'all to worry about. Let me get that figured out. And then we can uh, get show notes and links and comments and all that kind of stuff pumping out to you. All right. Outside of that, Tyler, what you seeing, man? What you thinking about? Man, there's actually a good bit of interesting news today. I was thinking there wasn't. I was all like, mah, mah, it's blase. But there's some good stuff. Uh, the first of which I feel like we need to bring up because TBP called it first, which is Tesla's Bitcoin investment, according to TechCrunch, could be bad for the company's climate reputation and its bottom line. We didn't talk about the bottom line. We mm -hmm. did talk about the climate reputation because... Obviously, Tesla, batteries, electric cars, carbon capture, all the good stuff. Yeah. Elon's been doing in that space and the company as a whole um, kind of throws the baby out with the bathwater by investing in the dirtiest crypto technology on the planet, which is Bitcoin. Um, but then the article actually gets down into it a little bit more and mentions they've got like 19 billion in cash on hand or, or something like that. And, yeah. and they just... They just put, uh, you know, one one and a half billion in Bitcoin, and Bitcoin continues to be highly speculative and crazy volatile. Yeah. So uh, that's that's also potentially reckless from a, a fiduciary perspective. So that's uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I'm curious to see because something else the article mentions, and I, I don't know that this will come as a terrible surprise to anyone. Um, that massive investment makes Tesla the largest institutional investor in Bitcoin. I, I, I'm going to say that with big quotes because yeah. I, don't, I don't know that we actually have enough information about who owns Bitcoin to say that that makes them the largest. But certainly the largest public, throw it out there, um, player in the space. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, it, the fact that they're invested in it does give a little more confidence in the, the unlikelihood of its bottom falling out. Sure. But I would still argue that the Bitcoin has to maintain its relevancy and sure. fix problems like how crazy power yeah. hungry it is as a standard, or it's going to expire like any other dinosaur technology that doesn't fix its massive underlying problems. And, and yeah. the biggest issue there is that there are crypto solutions that tried to address those early. Bitcoin yeah. Cash is a fork that kind of addresses some of That's the very what... high fees and it addresses some of the massive electricity costs for, for it's still a proof of work, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I, I don't know that it's an elegant solution per se, not hating on Bitcoin Cash. Here, just saying, I don't. I think it's a half measure, right? There, yeah. there are potentially much better, more elegant, mathematically and otherwise, solutions to that problem. But just knowing that it's there and knowing that it's potentially catastrophic from a, a just a, an environmental perspective means that is it a good store of value compared to gold indefinitely? I, question mark. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great question, man. And that's that's since I started hearing about that, that's one of the main uh, assumptions I've got in my mind is, okay, so you've got Bitcoin that's, 
it's got the right it's got the right name it's got the right like flashiness it's got the right like logo attached to it all that kind of stuff it's got people talking about it it's got people thinking about what a a you know kind of a decentralized financial system might look like sure and then you're going to have the 2.0 3.0 4.0 versions that will come along and solve more of those problems if that is the route where this goes, right? And then yesterday, Jim Cramer was on CNBC and he he called out Bitcoin specifically, but he said, um, Jim Cramer just stated it's irresponsible for corporates not to put any Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Yeah, interesting. Which is a very strong statement, especially if he's saying specifically Bitcoin, which he did um, when he's talking well, about hedging it, bets so, and all that kind of stuff. Man, that, that's interesting because I think that dovetails the conversation we've been having about you know Reddit and, and GameStop and stuff like that because... Kramer, as popular as he is and stuff like that, some of the commentary that he had around the GameStop short squeeze is also being criticized, as well as the rest of mainstream media, as being very biased towards institutional dollars, right? So it's actually a little harder for me to take him seriously on any front that includes something like a big trademark name. And I'm not saying that that's what Bitcoin is. I don't know if they own a trademark, but, but when he says Bitcoin as opposed to crypto in general or something like that, like that screams to me paid advertisement. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if that, I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm being fair to Kramer in this case. I do not know enough about it, but I am far more skeptical of how, um, unbiased and measured his opinions are uh, than, than I was before. So him saying something like that, it, if if he's taken seriously by institutional investors, it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy sure. and it will be a good financial move. If they look at it and say, oh, you're a shill, someone has basically funded you to say this and it doesn't catch on and it sees another flash crash, then... Tesla and any other institution that's trying to do right by their investors just just trashed yeah. half a billion dollars overnight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it has me has me wondering too, when you get on and you see people like um Lindsay Lohan and Ja Rule tweeting out Bitcoin to the moon. It's like, what what are they, I don't know, what are they thinking that they're doing? Are they marketing? Try yeah, exactly. Are they marketing themselves? It. Are I, they saying something? It, it, you know, yeah. I, again, I don't, I don't know them personally. I don't know what they no, know or, or don't. But I, well, I, mean, I sincerely and I doubt that together, they could have a. <laughs> oh wait, I can't say I, that because you and I went to high school they, together. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> nice try. Um, you sincerely doubt what? Sorry. That, that that they could have a, a you know a, a good serious debate about fundamentally why or why not Bitcoin makes sense as a future standard for anything useful. Yeah. I think there's a good argument there. I think anybody that says that cryptocurrency in general is going to go by the wayside is going to be proven out to be wrong in the long run. But, but I, I, I am skeptical that Bitcoin is the answer to that question. Right? Wait, you're oh, you're skeptical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Skeptical. Good, yeah. Good, good, good. Sorry, I thought you were saying and, you were that you thought it was the answer. Oh, maybe it's maybe okay. its popularity is enough, and and that's very interesting if that's the case. Uh, I mean, arguably, yeah, but I think it's popularity of crypto, right? I think that's what's happening, but people are going to attach themselves to a brand like Kleenex well, of or course. Coca-Cola or whatever, right? But, but I would say that's one of the biggest problems with the cryptocurrency ecosystem right now is yeah. that it, it isn't, <laughs> I say that like the stock market is any different right now, but it's not based on fundamentals. Sure. If, if maintaining the Bitcoin network <laughs> is catastrophic to the environment, and yeah. and a a zero sum game in that regard. Why would we pursue it as an answer to a question? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have an answer to that, right? No, but, you're right. Uh, it's it's just being propped up on uh, on FOMO. Yeah. Well, and and arguably we need something that isn't say a gold standard standard or silver to to potentially store value that's you know sort of non inflationary and things like that. There there are some good sort of economic arguments for why a decentralized currency that has fixed supply might be valuable 
globally in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. It also brings a lot of really interesting transactional, uh, you know, sort of changes to a decentral through decentralization uh, to the table as well. But but again, Bitcoin I don't think has the most elegant solution to any of those things. But but that's the problem: is does Bitcoin make sense in 15 years? Does it make sense right now, or is it yeah. just something that isn't gold or silver? Yeah. Or yeah, I think it's it's certainly a precursor. Uh, to something else. I, I, I would so. agree. I don't think Bitcoin is the answer. I think it's a precursor to something else. All we'll right. Uh, so it's, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of people riding it to the moon. <laughs> yeah. And if it goes yeah. to the moon, they will, they will make a great deal of money on it. A great oh, yeah, deal but more a great than they deal already of, have. A, a great deal of USD, right? <laughs> so if it, if it goes way up, well, I guess unless they're able to buy something in Bitcoin, right? But if it well, goes way up, they're going to cash out the, and move it back to fiat and then buy something. Well, and, and so that right. will be a house the with, true with US the, dollars, right? The true proof of concept, right? And actually, yeah. I would argue that that's one of the reasons that Tesla engaging the way that it has with Bitcoin is so terribly important because yeah. they are in part of that motion making it very clear that Bitcoin isn't just a store of value, it's something you can buy Teslas with. Yeah. Now, go educate yourself on how much it costs to transact Bitcoin and, and question whether or not that's going to make the most sense. But if you're buying a car, Maybe it's not that big of a deal. If you're buying a candy bar, then a $32 transaction fee is kind of a kick in the nuts, right? So, um, and, and the so average transaction way. fees for Bitcoin across, yeah, <laughs> uh, the average transaction fees aren't, aren't as high, but the more, the more excited people get about Bitcoin, the more expensive it becomes to transact too. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily make sense to use Bitcoin as a baseline for, for transacting all the things, but maybe it does for houses and cars and boats and yachts like the Winklevoss twins will be buying with Bitcoin, no doubt. Right. <laughs> um, you, by the way, will not be getting a yacht. Sorry. Me? No. Or do you mean our listeners? which makes some of the promise of Bitcoin already unachievable because it turns yeah. out that big money is still going to print money with new things. Oh, it's <laughs> funny. I saw somebody uh, bought a lot. Oh gosh, I can't remember who it was on on Twitter, but they said um, there was a, a some property that they bought for like $1.6 million worth of Bitcoin back in 2016 or something like that. And now that property cost him $28.4 million of worth of Bitcoin, right? And he just kept well, the Bitcoin and not the property. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's so, always been the joke with, with crypto Bitcoin in particular, right? Yeah. Is, buying a pizza with it in, you yeah, know, in for, for 17, 2012. Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Most, <laughs> most expensive pizza you ever bought. All right. So sure. we had this, uh, we had this get published uh, a couple of days ago. There's a screenshot of user Tesla insider on Reddit who had said 37 days prior to uh, Elon announcing that they were uh, that the Tesla was buying Bitcoin. He said, you heard it here first. Our company just bought 800 million worth of Bitcoin. I'm a software dev working at R&D in Tesla, California. Over the past 72 hours, our company bought 24,000, whatever, right? It just goes on and on. Uh, he said, I have no idea what will happen once this reaches the newspapers, but I think the price will explode even more. Thank me later. Did you see that? I love everything about this because I did see that. I did not see that post, which is a bummer because I do actually follow the Bitcoin subreddit. But honestly, the Bitcoin subreddit is so painful to read. It is. I bet it is now. Best. I most, actually don't read most it. Most of crypto subreddits <laughs> on Reddit are just awful, pump and dump, and yeah, it's all chilling, chilling the coins and and hyping whatever it is like the, the fundamental white paper stuff. It's gonna pop yeah. soon. We're going it's to the moon. Pops. Yes, it's it's awful. Like it is locked and loaded. Cringe. Ready to but, jump. But but Posts like this are always funny because this one uh, is titillating all by itself because it basically looked like it happened, which makes this user look either like an actual insider or that he's just prescient. And it turns out that there's a follow-up to this article, which I saw last night, which said <laughs> that uh, it, and there's an article on, article on Benzinga, as well as a couple other people, places where it turns out that this user... Um, actually did a follow-up and basically said, okay, it was fun while it lasted, but uh, if you want to know the truth, I'm a young German guy and I was on acid while I did this <laughs> post in the last month. So what? whatever he's tripping on, uh, everyone should, and you should just take financial advice from that guy when he's uh, tripping. Oh, I won't take again. Yeah, but, don't say yeah. it. <laughs> so that's hilarious. Anyways, yeah, about that, I was just high. <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> He predicted now, the now the real question is, 
is he lying with the cover up? Yeah, that's what I, that's I was a about. Pretty to say that. accurate uh, eight ball he's got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cover up was uh, was probably the lie. Okay, uh, but it's still it's a great story that cracked yeah. me up for Hilarious. sure. All right, all right. What else do we got here? Um, I saw Salesforce in the news. Um, they're yeah. uh, leaning in big to sort of the work from home future. And with the the headline very grabby from the register was that it's trashing the sort of, or, or, yeah, trashing, why not? The nine to five workday. Um, and yeah, just oh, I would say, yeah, we're they said far the nine to five, flexible. the quote, the nine to five workday is dead. That's definitely right. That's definitely trashing it. That's a, that's a strong, that's a strong statement. Um, I, I think, but well, it's cool, right? I think it's neat that they're leaning into work from home and sort of a different future and, and work from where you are uh, anywhere if, if your job allows it. But I think it's a bit bold to say that you can toss the nine to five workday. I think that's only going to be true for certain roles. I mean, one no, could argue sure. that software development doesn't really care what time of day it is to, to yeah. get the job done. Well, and certainly done you're talking well. about specific industries. For them to right, say it no right. longer makes sense to expect employees to work an eight-hour shift. Right. Well, yeah, that's go if talk you're to not an hourly employee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's it's a little clickbaity there. That's pretty bold, but um, yeah, it's it, it does make sense for companies like Salesforce and and especially just software sales in general, right? The development culture doesn't require a nine-to-five. Yeah. Um, I think in some cases, your sales force will require a, I mean, I wouldn't say nine to five. It's probably more like 4.30 to 9.30 at night, but uh, they're, they're going to have, to, yeah, <laughs> sales, salespeople don't sleep. Yeah. They're supposed to be hunting. But it's, it's, a, um, it's a fun thing to, it's a fun thing to see though, right? To start yeah. gaining traction, right? Because you, yeah, yeah. you want this concept for people that are able to, that have that aspect of their career, um, that it's about what you produce. It's not about how long you're sitting in your chair, right? Well, yeah, and that's, but I, I also get that one, right? I, there, there's that's sort of a classic economic problem, I think, and maybe classic's the wrong way to say that. I'm not an ec- economist, but um, a any company, I don't care if you're small or you're large, is going to want to maximize productivity, right? And any employee is, or at least ones that are aware of self-interest are going to try to maximize what they get paid for their productivity. And that is a, a naturally sort of head-to-head equation. Um, I won't say it's zero sum because I don't think it is, but um, they are at odds, right? So just saying get your work done doesn't help Tesla do the next great thing, but constantly driving your employees to help your company do the next great thing, but not rewarding them for that is equally broken, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know that it's going to be possible for every industry, certainly not, but arguably any industry to do a good job of saying, just work the hours you need to, to get your job done. Because most of us have jobs that are open-ended, unless you're talking about something like manufacturing, where it's only open-ended in the sense that if you stay longer, you make more. Well, okay, we, we ended up with laws that prevent us from abusing people in that way, right? So just because we don't have an industry that that has a product that's tangible and you can see work going into it and attribute value to that doesn't mean that the number of hours you work doesn't continue to contribute to, I don't know, furthering the end goal. So does that nine to five, does that just mean that we're going to do eight to 1230? Yeah. And, and which 1230? <laughs> yeah yeah all right um twitter explores subscriptions what do you think on that to reduce its dependency on ads would you rather pay money to participate i saw some people saying some crazy things i think it was what uh Quinny pig saying you know start charging people a quarter for a reply or something like that yeah. i'm like what i have to pay 25 uh. cents USD. I don't know, man. That that one's tough. All of <laughs> all of this stuff is is difficult for me to wrap my head around because if if they did that out of the gate, I wouldn't have used them. And so, why would I keep using them now if they change that policy and it's costing me money? I I mean, I 
I just, I, I, I guess despite being the type of person that doesn't really care for ads on Twitter, I would prefer that the platform be free and ads are just thrown at me, then I would pay for it. But I guess if it's an option, get rid of ads, pay for premium services. Yeah. I guess my problem is, is that I'm not going to pay for premium services or advanced features. And I also hate ads. So really, I just don't want Twitter to make money. Yeah, but then as well, an investor, I just want them to find out how to take all of your money. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem there in my mind is Twitter doesn't, so they're amping up or ramping up their headcount, right? Um, Cause they were talking about how they, they warned that their expenses will jump in 2021, right? Their users, their revenue, their earnings were all up year over year. Um, but why would I start paying for a platform that yes, it's my main social platform, but they also don't seem to be listening to their customers, right? They don't sure. seem to be implementing the things that the customers want. Now, maybe, maybe they have proof as to why those things would be terrible, but maybe they should start communicating on those kinds of things. I don't know. So yet to be seen, but for those of y'all that use TweetDeck, it looks like you might have to start paying for that. I don't use TweetDeck. I've have in the past a little bit, but I don't know. It seems weird. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not sure how I feel. Yeah. About it yet. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I guess I'm all for it again, as an investor, if it works out financially for them and people like it, I'm skeptical that people are going to like it and it's actually going to work out for them. Right. Like if yeah. it, if it turns off users or if it reduces advertisers because you've given a small group of people options to do this, it, it could end up breaking the, the model. Right. But yeah. I'm all for experimenting, right? I think sure. I think a lot of people do hate advertisement. I think a lot of platforms do have a pay to eliminate advertising sort of baseline. Yeah, if that's um, all it is, then that makes sense, right? Sure. If I stop, if I can stop seeing the promoted tweets, but then will people pay to promote tweets that's, anymore? That's do they the problem. That if, revenue? if you can pay to get exactly, and I think that's the problem is that yeah. you're either going to ostracize users, which potentially reduces your baseline, which reduces advertising revenue, or yeah. worse, maybe you make your users happy and ostracize your advertisers, sure. and then you can't sustain your platform. So it's it's a bit of a catch-22. I really, I really yeah. think it is. Like, how do you listen to your users and still make sure that them as your product aren't aware of that? Dude, it makes me wonder too, if if they even charge something like, I don't know, a dollar or two dollars or three bucks a month or whatever to use Twitter, just flat out, you know, there's a subscription fee to get on the platform. Would that reduce the amount of bots that you see, the amount of just like trash that comes through, all that kind of stuff? Because it actually that would is, be amazing, it costs but money rather than just producing. I think you lose a lot of I think you lose a lot of users. And I also think the the biggest problem that any social media platform is going to have with that is how do you catch the next generation of users at all if there's yeah. a paywall yeah i mean your your parents aren't going to buy their 12 year old a twitter subscription yeah yeah right yeah that i i sure as hell wouldn't right yeah, yeah. No, so, that's a good point that's so good point. how do you how do you keep growing your platform if you do that i i'm all for them figuring out ways to get rid of bots i think they're awful and i think uh you know having better targeted promoted tweets makes more sense too yeah. but at the end of the day, uh, people people don't like advertisements that in a lot of cases, right? So hiding marketing is is one of the things that makes platforms like Twitter more profitable. Hell, sure. that's I mean that's think that Instagram. What do they call them? Um, influencers, Stories. right? Oh, influencers. Like, yeah, influencers. That's they're just advertisements with a I don't know more makeup, right? Yeah, well, and so. With- with that too, they've even started to uh, to remove actual humans. They can create digital influencers. Oh, I know that, it. That's... That never age and can do whatever you want and could say, sure. you know, whatever it is that you want. And I mean, you don't. Have I think to the near term future of advertising is going to look way, 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 way different because of stuff and like our ability to use deep fake for yeah. audio, video, you name it. Like, think about stock images. You're going to have stock stock actors, and yeah. and it will be a a drive to bottom dollar. And then somebody yeah. will figure out how to make ads. Like, I don't know. I, I immediately. And they'll be directed of, too. It, it, they, oh, they, sure. they will be pulling from a, uh, a category, uh, not a category. What am I trying to say? A collection of these stock digital influencers or advertisers or whatever, based on who you are, right? Who they understand you to be. They're going to find somebody sure. that you're going to connect with uh, easiest. 
Yeah, imagine video-based advertising that's actually really custom to you, because I think that's in our future uh, and probably not even too distant of a future, right? Yeah. So you, you'll see every brand represented more coherently through an advertiser that doesn't actually exist or, or I guess, an actor that doesn't really exist, which is going to be really cool. It's also kind of horrifying. Yeah. Did you see this? You you um you brought up so Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter. Um, we were talking about some of the decentralized aspects of it and the algorithms and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so published just uh, yesterday, he came out with some more details on it. He wants to build an app store for social media algorithms, right? So he's expanding yeah, so on his vision for a decentralized network. I didn't I didn't see this yet, um, but but that. Uh, you know, back to yes. the conversation we had before, right? This is um, Stephen Wolfram also sort of postulated that this is the right way to do it. You create a marketplace of uh, effectively middlemen that yeah. that operate between content and you to determine quality or truthiness or bias or or ideally eliminate some of the garbage while giving you a say in how it gets trashed, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's how I would describe it in the most lay way I can understand it right now. Yeah. Um, and I think I like the intent, right? And I, mm -hmm. I think I like where it's going. I'm eager to see how this gets solved without being somehow abusive or abused, right? Yeah. It's a fine line to walk, man. And even today in the news, uh, Facebook announced that they were going to start ramping down, specifically ramping down political mm -hmm. content in people's Facebook feeds. So what they serve you, and this is this is one of the most frustrating things about Facebook, not that, what I just said, but it, it frustrates me so bad. Like when you go to the app and I'm, I'm like, just don't even participate there anymore. But what got me frustrated was the fact that you can open up your timeline and it'll just be a random assortment of things. It's not linear. And then if you hit refresh, right? Or if you close the app and come back, it's just another just random sort uh, sorting of, of timeline posts. There's no yeah. rhyme or reason to it. Like if you went in and you saw something you wanted to respond to your friend, but you somehow refreshed the page now it's filtered and it's going to be like number 50 on the list or it's gone. And they're not even going to yeah. choose to show it to you. I, I hate how is that Facebook, about Yeah. How are they choosing to to do that and show it to you? You feel helpless and out of control. Like you're, you're responding Twitter's the same way. Well, there, you have this... the option. There's a, they default to a home, uh, which is, the, the tweets that they this. want to show you first, but you can go to the top and say, show it linear, right? Oh, but that's okay. not the default. Well, I did, I didn't show it linear that. is not the default, right? Yeah. But the frustrating thing with frustrating. Facebook though, yeah, it's so bad because you feel like you are responsible you are being shown what Facebook wants you to see, right? And then they I, came and out I think today. That is very true. Yeah, exactly. And then they came out today and they said, look, we're going to potentially, or, or not potentially, gosh, I'm having word problems today and this week. All right. Something. It's just a podcast. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, uh, we're going to intentionally, <laughs> we're going to intentionally uh, de-emphasize and not show anything that's politically related. And then now you have this, you know, this article from The Verge, first paragraph here, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey imagines a future where you get to choose what you see on social media by picking out your favorite recommendation algorithm rather than relying on a single controlling company to get it exactly right. So rather than trusting yeah. Facebook or Twitter or whomever to get what give you what you, what they think you want or what they think you need, then you can go pick your favorite algorithm from the app store. I, I really like that concept. Right. And, and we've talked, uh, maybe not at great length, but a good bit about this problem and, and sort of what a solution might look like among other things. But the, uh, it's, it is so complicated and, and people don't understand unless they're frustrated, right? With the way that Facebook is is showing you posts from people, for instance, they don't do, understand that. Do that's, most people that is, get that? Sorry, I, I don't I'm know. getting a little I, bit amped up here. I don't know. Like, I don't think wife, they do. That's kind of what I'm saying is I, I don't yeah. think people understand that they're being manipulated and they're being manipulated to try to use the platform more, right? Like, yeah, if you take one step the back, user or, I doubt or, it. Or do they, because or they was, just so engrossed in, that. oh, Susie's doing this, John's doing that, whatever, right? And then they just like go after it. I, I, well, and, and I think that's the thing is it, we, we talked about this before. If, if you teach an AI to show you cats and interact with cats more on the yeah. internet, 
it will figure out how to do it. Yeah. And you won't necessarily realize that you're spending 15% more time interacting with cat memes on the internet. It will just happen and it will figure out how to do that for you on average, you being the the broad you, right? And and the the, the thing is, is that no, it's not going to tell you, hey, I'm going to make you interact with cats more on the internet. It's just going to do stuff <laughs> until you interact with cats more. <laughs> and the problem with that is that, it, and, and I mentioned this before when we were talking about it, is that the way that those AI algorithms are doing what they're doing isn't necessarily human readable. And that the problem with that is that you can't tell if the way it's getting you to interact with cats is healthy or if it's just succeeding in getting you to interact with cats. Yeah. And so if you let an AI loose and you you kind of follow the assumption that it will figure it out, because arguably it will figure it out, the the tangentials or the the secondary and tertiary impact of, of cats could be having very bad outputs. And and we just aren't measuring those. And we didn't teach the AI, because that's part of the system, right? We didn't teach the AI not to make sure that people weren't losing their jobs over interacting with cats. Yeah. We just said make people interact with cats more. Yeah. <laughs> so we need we need to fix this. Yeah. Okay. Um something else we need to fix the DMCA uh so digital what is it? What what is digital, it? digital millennium copyright copyright, copyright. well uh, millennium millennium is that what it is? Yeah. Digital Millennium Copyright Act. No, that's cool. I just said that out loud. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it strikes again. This is a this is that one from uh, 1998 we've talked about in the past. Uh, it, it implements two 1996 yeah. treaties of the World Intellectual Property Organization, etc. Uh, but I, I laughed at this the other day. Uh, this came up in Vice News. Is this Beverly Hills Cop playing Sublime Santeria to avoid being live streamed? <laughs> So I guess what? there was a there was a stop. Uh, there was a um, there was an officer that was talking with somebody, and he was being filmed, and so he started playing a song because that's if this awesome. Video, yeah, if this video gets uploaded to any platform, it will automatically get taken down because of DMCA. That is that is brilliant. DMCA has become part of government control on content and openness and transparency. But honestly, that cop deserves a promotion because I'm, I, you know, it, it angers me that this is possible, but it makes me so happy that somebody figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. It says, uh, right. The, the video that was uploaded, Beverly Hills, Sergeant uh, fair plays licensed music while I ask oh, him questions. Give that man a promotion. <laughs> give him a promotion period. That uh, is so weird. Such a weird world that we live in. Oh, I mean, I yeah. And I've talked about this before, but that's the joke. Like if you have, uh, if you have YouTubers in your establishment or around you or whatever, and you want them to go away, the best way to do that is to play licensed music, to play music from the radio, popular music, whatever. Oh, I'll stop filming my. and leave because they can't that's so cool i i am i'm just a huge fan of that i and i hate dmca but i i love that again someone found a way to use it to their advantage (laughs) here's a uh here's another one that made me laugh uh huawei files a lawsuit against the fcc for its decision to designate the company as a national security threat says the order was beyond fcc's scope of powers so uh, Huawei, a Chinese company, is claiming they would like to try to restore relationships with the U.S. by suing the U.S. That's smart. Actually, that's very U.S. of them. <laughs> no, I know. It's just funny, man. It's just funny. It is. Um, I I find that very interesting. Um, I, I don't know enough about the case or even our legal system as it relates to dealing with stuff like that. But I, I think they're going to find it very difficult if sentiment maintains the same sentiment being very important here, because do do we really think the FCC can't? I mean, yeah. the FCC, well, the-, the FCC can kind of do what they want. And if, if they just so drag this-, this out until they have to write a new law for it, they'll do it. Like, yeah, it, it's, they're suing they're going to spend a lot the of money US FCC <laughs> to say that what they did was unconstitutional according to the United States Constitution which i mean <laughs> that's probably the only way that they try to prevent this from going down that way but 
I I sincerely doubt that they're going to find court approval. Yeah. To say yeah. that the FCC can't protect itself against the foreign entity, which is basically the argument that they're making here. Yeah. Well, the the reason so this is coming from uh, back in the summer of last year, then FCC chairman Ajit Pai, right? We've talked about him on the the podcast previously, uh, but he posited that Huawei and ZTE. Uh, which is another Chinese smartphone maker. This is on uh, businessinsider.com is where the the, um, the article was from. They were risks because they had, quote, close ties to the Chinese Communist Party and China's military apparatus. And he goes on to say, both companies are broadly subject to Chinese law, obligating them to cooperate with the country's intelligence services. Right. right? This this causes great concern when it comes to, um, you know, the, the U.S. buying anything from Huawei or ZTE, especially for government contracts. Well, and, Huawei and is saying I'm, that it's unconstitutional for us to do that. Right, which is which is US interesting, but it's also I, I think they're going to have a struggle here because just reading through some of that, right? One of the arguments that they're basically pushing back against is that because of the way that that was done, it it says, like you said, that you can't use this for government contracts. There are large funds associated with buying technology for government agencies, or or probably also the underlying. Um, you know, military industrial complex sort of, uh, um, which I, the word I am not coming up with, but basically the funds available to corporations, available to government entities to purchase things are being pulled back away from this. So I, I can understand the financial impact, but the government does this all the time. I mean, if, if you rewind the clock 15 years, you basically couldn't work for a defense contract uh, contractor at all and use anything but a BlackBerry because of a security baseline. It took years and, and quite a few of them to get to the point where the government was comfortable with what Apple and Android had done with their operating systems to allow them into that space, period. So this is no different. And I guarantee you that Apple wasn't just sitting idly by and saying it was okay that they only allow, you know, BlackBerry security baseline. But yeah, I, I don't see them winning this one. But it's fun yep. news. Oh man. I want to talk with you more about uh, Clubhouse, but uh, but you don't, don't have know it, anything about and Clubhouse. you can't talk about it, which is something that uh, I can Gina talk about anything. Brought up this morning, you can't talk about anything. Um, but she was talking about it being exclusionary. Not everyone has access. Um, Name two people that don't have access. Eight, well, eighty-five percent of the market uh, is Android, and then I was talking about so last night. Um, where was this? Where was this? I was trying to find one of the replies. But anyway, last night I jumped on the clubhouse because I got I set notifications for certain people joining. And uh, I saw that Michael Dell and uh, John Furrier had joined a, uh, a room together. And I listened to them talk for about an hour. It was actually a number of people, not just the two of them, but they were the only two people I knew in the room. I posted about how cool it was. And then a couple of people were responding on Twitter. Uh, I'm not going to call people out by name, but uh, one of them saying, been hearing a lot about Clubhouse, but it mostly sounds like exclusive conference calls to me at this point. And, right. I, and I, I struggle with the exclusive piece there because to me, if, if Michael and John and these other people wanted to have an exclusive conference call, then they would go have an exclusive conference call that I wouldn't be notified and able to join at a moment's notice and just listen in casually. Right. I don't understand what's exclusive about that. Exclusive might be the said, wrong word. Well, yeah, but, and then somebody else responded and said, I agree, you know, same, I agree. Don't we have that capability already with Zoom, WebEx, Teams, et cetera? And then not that's where really. I'm like, are you not, are you not seeing, <laughs> you're not seeing you the fact use that use like, any of these things for something like that? No, well, I, no, I would argue this is, this is, I don't know that I can articulate clearly what gap this is filling because I don't care about this. <laughs> well, and you don't have access, but, which was what well, Gina's sure, but, was too. But, but even if I did have access, it'd be like fleets. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. yeah. Right? I, that's that's my perspective, right? I'd I just as soon see, see somebody write an article about what they said later. Um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not just sure. going to – I'm not going to sit on a live call with a even a big personality and yeah. feel special for it. I just don't, I don't care enough to sit idly on an audio conference call. I'd rather see somebody summarize the salient points later. 
Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm I'm not alone, but I'm probably don't have a lot of friends in that space because people thought this was worth developing, um, and they're probably right, and I'm wrong, and that's okay. But I'm still <laughs> not going to use. I'm not the time doing is this. super valuable, Tyler. No, it's not it. even that. Like I, I'll do stupid crap with my time. Don't get me wrong, but I am not going to join an audio conference to listen to somebody talk idly. Like if if it was well, participatory talk- and I could actually engage, maybe you can. You can. That's the point. That's what. That's what oh. I'm getting at. All right. Well, so it, it works. Yeah, yeah. So it it works like this, right? You create a room. So imagine like a. It's kind of like a pop up conference or like you know sure. South by Southwest event or whatever. Saw that. Yesterday. Let's say. Yeah, exactly. Let's say tech conference event, and you set up a room and you put put a sign on the door outside the room that says, "This is the topic we're going to talk about. If you're interested, come on in." Right. And then the fascinating thing about this is that anybody that whatever, anybody that has access to the app, I'll say at this point, um, can jump in and just start participating. And that's what happened in this call last night. Uh, a few individuals started a room just to talk. And I don't even remember what the topic was. And then Michael Dell just popped in and they were like, uh, what? Uh, Hi. (laughs) And then they had the, this concept of a stage, right? You have a stage and an audience and you can ask to be, if you're in the audience, you can ask to be to, to come up on the stage, which means you now have microphone access to talk within the room, um, or you can be invited to the stage. And then that's where, so Michael just joined the room unplanned. And then the people who were the organizers of the the room invited him up on stage. And then the Shocker. 20-something odd people that were on the stage. Yeah, absolutely. No, Mr. Dell, you sit started, in the corner. Started asking him questions. <laughs> well, but, but that's the cool thing, right? And if I wanted to... Um, ask a question that I could raise my hand and come up on stage and ask a question, all that kind of stuff. It's super interesting. I think it's my my only point is I think it's really unfair to say, to compare this experience with WebEx. Yeah, I would agree right. with that. I, cause, cause I, how obviously are people are not using WebEx or Zoom that way. And if they aren't yeah. using it that way already, there's probably a darn good reason for it. Yeah. Mr. Beast was in there the other day with, with 5,000 people in a room, right? When, when would that happen otherwise? Right. Elon was in the other day, right? I mean, whatever. Anyway, so it's cool. Lots of people are uh, seemingly hating on it. And I know it's not perfect. It's got a lot of issues. There's definitely yeah, some cringy rooms. There's first cringy things. Yeah, people are just it, trying to figure it, it also, out. Also, welcome to social media. You you're, yeah, exactly. get the cringe of your user base. If, yeah. if you can find a way to prevent toxic from being what trends, then you might yeah. be better off. But, but no, it, I, it does. It's it like sounds interesting. I didn't understand how you could actually interact. That makes it a little yeah. bit more interesting. Um, I, ju- I, again, I jumped in one yesterday and I heard conversations that I would never, ever hear in my life otherwise based on this other, this one particular person I follow who's in this industry. And I'm listening to some of the uh, like world's best filmmakers. That's cool. Right. Uh, just talking about all this different stuff and I'm learning basically a different language because I don't understand a lot of the things they're talking about. Um, Super fascinating, right? And them helping each other out and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, whatever. I'm not trying to give a Irrelevant because it's not available on uh, (laughs) on Android, which I mean, I get it. If you don't want to address, you know, the actual marketplace of most users, then, you know. Well, I'll drop two things. So, so two of the two of them. Well, actually, there were several notable things that um, that were asked of Michael last night. Um, one of them was the reference to the Bitcoin um, purchase that happened from an Elon perspective, and he was asked sort of indirectly if he was planning on doing that, and he said, you know, not at this time, right? And then he commented too that in the history uh, of of Dell, I guess previously, I don't remember when this was, you could actually buy computers with Bitcoin. But then he commented and said, you know, all we would do once we got the Bitcoin is immediately turn it into cash. Convert to cash, yeah. Yeah, convert it to cash. Uh, someone else asked him, you know, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? And he said, if you see a problem, fix it as fast as you find it, um, which I think is very sage cool. advice. advice. And then someone else asked him if he plays video games. And he hmm? said, uh, mostly he plays a game called Microsoft Outlook. To which he said... <laughs> Oh, doesn't he know you can't win that game? <laughs> that's what he. That's what they said. So uh, somebody asked him. They said, "Are you, are you winning?" He said, "No, you can't win. They make you babies. You send one away, and you get five back. <laughs> make babies. <laughs> it's a whack a mole. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. Well, we'll shift gears to something that you uh, know and love, which is Amazon Echo. 
You probably oh, saw yes. they're launching the whole home wall-mounted home control product thing. Have you seen the details on that? What do you think? I'm file, file this in the list of things that they could have done after they fixed some of the other stuff they've already released. Okay. Right? Um, I look the idea, the concept seems okay. It it sounds like it might be fairly large. I think they they reported that it would be like a thinner. How did they say it? A thinner profile than an Echo Show. But if you have an Echo Show, you know that's like two fists deep, which is uh, not a thin profile whatsoever. Um, and, and a lot of that's the speaker. So if, if it's speakerless or if it has more, you know, kind of like laptop speakers built into it, then sure, you're just talking about a tablet or a, a you know, a modern flat television, which I don't think is shocking at all. The idea of like a control center for home automation, especially with some of the integrations that have been done with their later generation products, sounds awesome. I mean, honestly, that's one of those sort of dreamy states from uh, you know, futurology 15 years ago is having a, a, you know, a big screen somewhere in your home or multiple places in your home where you can sort of interact with the automations that you've got set up for lights and locks and doors and whatever. But they already have touch-enabled tablet-like devices in their shows and, heck, in their tablets. And they could just as easily have actually made those intuitive and useful home automation control centers through software as opposed to releasing a new device that is centered around that. Now, I can hope that by doing it there, it carries over to some of the other stuff. And I won't lie, if they nail it, I will probably buy one because I have enough of that as an ecosystem and having something visual and awesome for home automation and audio what are they control calling would be really cool. Um, Do you know? Oh, I forget. Uh, Maybe they haven't announced. Control or something? I'm not sure. I saw a name, actually. Yeah. Um, anyways, like I w- I'd like to see them do it. I just don't understand why they need a new device for it. Yeah. That, the Echo well, shows is it- you can get to the home automation sections and stuff, and it's just kind of awful. Really. Yeah. Well, and that's what I wonder too. So yeah, you're talking about the interface experience. Is it my curiosity on that? Is it more valuable to have it be better in a mobile app or is it, is it more better to have it be on the wall? Uh, I think you solve it in the mobile app and then you put it on a wall. Yeah. If you want it on a wall, I would absolutely, if it had an intuitive and powerful, good customers, customizable, smart, device interface, buy one of those and put it on my wall somewhere. I would do that, right? But they could have integrated that into a dashboard on an Echo Show, which they have not yet, mm-hmm. um, and and then waited for people to actually demand it be put onto a wall. It, it's, it feels cart before the horse, which I, I think is kind of normal for Echo devices in some ways. But um, I think it's got potential. I'm not buying one until I prove out the or until I see that the interface is proven out to actually be valuable. Yeah. Okay. That's just me. Cool, man. You. Cool, cool. What else you got? What else you got? I got, I got nothing. I think. Uh, no. Oh, I love this. Sorry. This is just random uh, from oh. CNET. The cheapskate <laughs> hall of fame, best cheap products of all time. Uh, and they do the, <laughs> the, uh, the first seven inductees to earn the top honor. Most of these I hadn't heard of, um, but the Amazfit Bips S, Bip S, what? A nearly perfect budget smartwatch. What is it? A nearly perfect budget smartwatch. Amazfit? I guess it's Amazon's watch. I don't know, whatever. I don't think it's it's an Amazon, is it? Smartwatch. I don't know. Let me me click click the link. Let me click click the link. It's an ad. I don't think it's an Amazon product. Amazfit. Is that how you would say that? I guess. Anyway. They should have called it the IMA's fit. <laughs> Whatever. Moving on. Just uh, the Amazon Fire 7 tablet. Uh, yeah. Bucks. Those, those I get. Those are very inexpensive. I tend to find most Amazon devices uh, unusable. Well, sorry. Amazon tablets specifically. I like lots of their devices. But the Amazon tablets are like unusable because of the way that they they trash the interface with advertisements. Yeah. Their yeah. way of doing well, that's it why it's only awful. 50 bucks. And, it's but it is extremely cheap. They're also stupid slow because of how inexpensive they are as well. So it's yeah. like, I want a good Android tablet that's that form factor, um, but I cannot stand 
Amazon's interface for their mm. tablets. Yeah, it is awful. We picked and, up and a couple of the particularly, fire. yeah. Well, particularly yeah. because a fifty dollars tablet in that form factor, that's like right up my alley for my kids. And yeah. for fifty bucks, when they trash it because they're five and they're yeah. going to, I don't feel as bad about it. But it's so littered with advertisements and so slow that it's actually more frustrating for my kids to have it than not have it. So yeah. great, but not so much. <laughs> All right. So number three on the list, Bitwarden, an excellent password <laughs> manager that's totally free. Well, that works for nice. Cheapskate Hall of Fame. Uh, then you have the Bitwarden. EarFun Air. Good, true wireless <laughs> earbuds don't have to be expensive. Who Should is naming these things, by the way? EarFun Air, true wireless earbuds. Anyway, they look like the Apple Pros, um, but they're only 60 bucks. Looks like they work well. Uh, Hulu made the list. Endless hours of streaming for just $6 hey. a month. But the question there is, I've never used Hulu. I don't, and, and see, I feel like I get advertised this way. Endless hours of streaming. I don't want to stream just to stream. I want the good content. Look at the content. No, you don't. You just need you just need I content. I don't just need Facebook, flashing lights. So they can just throw crap at you. Yeah, no. <laughs> High quality, not just mindless nothing. Why? You get the same number of ads in low quality content as you do high quality content. Dude. And don't even get me started on like, <laughs> like uh, evening or late night um, network ads for like the, the next hot show or whatever. It is literally like 15 seconds of strobe effect with, with no scene lasting more than a quarter of a second long. And the camera swinging, it just, it's ridiculous. Anyway, whatever. Uh, Second to last one, Replatronics Hotline 16,000. Do you want to guess what that is? <laughs> Wait, what? It's called the Replatronics Hotline 16,000. Well, if you look at the screen, it's a power bank, but it looks like a tape deck. That's awesome. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. It's got, a, it's got a cool that. 80s feel. Uh, $40. Replatronics. See, they nailed their name. Yep, yep. A versatile mobile charger with a killer retro design and affordable price tag. Booyah. The last one here is the one that I thought was was funny. Uh, Wise Cam Pan. So $38 for one of the... Wise has crazy good um, cameras for security stuff at crazy low prices. It's wild. And so the comment here is just shut up and take very little of my money. <laughs> it sounded like an advertisement. Well done. Oh, I'm sorry. Wise can sponsor us if they want to. Aaron's ready. Yeah, man, bring it, bring it on. We got, we have somebody else that's trying to uh, partner with us, but I'm just not sure I'm ready for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'm ready for what they want me to say on the air. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I could say all those things, but <laughs> I know you I'm could, not but... sure our, I'm not sure our audience wants to hear me say all those things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we'll spare people from that. Yeah. <sighs> uh, I think, I think that pretty much wraps it up, dude. Yeah, Unless man. you got something else, shut no. her down. Got more work. Well, I there you go. Yep. I got stuff to do. That brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. We're missing you, Russ. We need you back. We need, we need all your one-liners and your hot takes, but we'll get them soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing with your friends. Thanks for your support in general. And we will talk to you guys on Friday. Peace. Later.